0: I, I want to ask um, the question. Um, the next couple weeks, uh, we're leading over to we're in the season of, of going into Easter, and you know we, we we focus on Easter. It's not necessarily about an Easter bunny or Easter egg hunts or anything like that. Um, it's it's about the resurrection, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, the two most important days on our calendar. Um, on on our Christian calendar that we have right now um, here in America is we focus on uh, Christmas, the birth of, of Christ, and then we focus on Easter, which is the resurrection or the rebirth of Christ. Uh, the um, and we believe that that these are the most two most important days on the calendar. Uh, we celebrate. Um, it's not just a day to be off. It's not just a day to spend with family. But this is time for us to to get to know. Really what it means And what Christ came to do on earth When Christ came on earth to be with us um, He lived a sinless life he, he lived a life That we could not live And he died for us um, in, in a way that we could never um, uh, Die And he paid the price And paid the penalty for our sin And so I, I want to meditate the next couple weeks next, next Sunday is Palm Sunday I'll be sharing a little more about The death of Christ um, and then on Easter Sunday, we'll be having some time to um, a little cookout here at the house, and I'll share a word about the resurrection of Christ. Um, and I, I feel that the next few weeks, it's so important to understand and focus on um, oneself of what Christ is doing. And um, Resurrection Sunday can come and go, and sometimes we forget about what it really means, And what, but this is a very important season right now. Um, in the weeks leading up So let's focus and let's pray That God is uh, revealing to us So uh, what it means For Jesus to die And what, what he did on the cross for our sins um, The question I want to ask tonight is Why did Jesus have to die? Um, why did Jesus have to die? Um, you can write that down if you're taking notes If that's something you, know, you're, you want a title for this But that's the question I'm going to ask at the end um, but I want to also answer it right now, um, is why did Jesus have to die? And you, and you you, you might ask yourself, it's like, George, this is a question that, that man, this sounds like a very elementary Christianity 101 type of question that, Maybe, you know, man, I already know this I've been in church my entire life Or I've been in part of church for a while But I don't think people really understand What the what this question even means You could be part of the um, the church for many years You could be part of um, Christianity for a long time That doesn't necessarily mean that you, you quite understand What it meant for Jesus to actually die for our sins we, we preach about it, we talk about it We celebrate it on Good Friday We celebrate it on Resurrection Sunday But but what does it really mean throughout the Bible? And what is the Bible really wanting to show us um, throughout the entire scripture? Like I mentioned several weeks ago that scripture is not just one story that we could just pick apart and say, okay, we pick apart this verse and this is this is what. What this verse talks about? It, 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 yes, it works like that, but not quite that way. Scripture is best looked at from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, is one big cohesive story, kind of like a series of of books or like a series of long, you know different seasons: season one, season two, uh, season three of different chapters of of one long story that's coming together. So I, I want you to consider the Bible and the crucifixion of Jesus as Something that is – when you look at it in the full story of, of what the Bible is trying to share, when you look at it, everything, you'll, you'll see – and maybe the question I, I want to ask is why would a good God allow his son to be killed? Why would a good God and, – and as you're maybe even witnessing to people or you're talking to people about Jesus and what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be, to, to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Christ? These are some deep questions, and so we're going to learn some words tonight that maybe you've never heard before, or maybe you heard it a long time ago, or maybe you never, never, don't even know what that word means or how to pronounce it, um, but it, it's going to help get us to a place where, whether this is elementary or not, and I think this is good reminders of, of what it really means, and the question is, why would a good God allow his son to be killed? 2 Corinthians 5.21, and we'll start with this. For our sake, he made, talking God, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You might have read this verse before. You know this. You can quote it. But I, I think it's important for us to understand and to look at this verse is this idea of Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And he's making them understand that, that the weight of the gospel of what what the gospel really says that for our sake, meaning for us, he, it was us. It was not anyone else. It was us. It was it was specifically every man, woman, and child that's ever lived on this earth, has walked upon this earth, that is part of um, of of the plan of God. He says, for our sake, He made Him to be sin. Him, meaning Jesus, to be sin. Meaning Jesus did, lived a sinless life. He did, not, he did not sin. He didn't live in sin. He didn't have a sinful um, uh, past. He didn't have a, a testimony that he could say, man, God brought me out of this. He knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. It's this idea of Jesus coming in and taking the place of someone else So that someone else wouldn't have to pay the price. See, throughout Scripture, last week we spoke about, and I'll refresh it last week because I think last week's message connects really well with this message. We talked about the law and how Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse fourteen, "I didn't come to abolish the law; I came to fulfill the law." I came. I came. Um, to bring something new, I, I, I came to bring something else, and and because there was all these commandments in the Old Testament of the the law, and, and we saw the holiness of God, we saw who God was, and there was this righteousness of of God. There was this there was this judgment upon people that that they could not um, ever ever um, be to the level of the law. No one could ever follow to a T all the things that the law did. And the law was there to show us how unrighteous we are, how much we need God. And the right the law is there to show us that, that we need a God. We need a savior. Yeah. Like like if if you are living life and you don't know that you need a savior, then you're 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 living life in in and going in the wrong direction. Like us as Christians, we have to understand that there's a spiritual dependency upon us that we have to walk and live our daily life knowing that we need a Savior, knowing that Jesus is, is the one that's on the throne and God is the one that created us. He's perfect and we're not. We're, we're He was sinless and we're not. We're sinful. We've made sins. We've messed up. See, Romans 3.23 says it like this, and we know this as kind of a very fundamental verse in Christianity, is for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. We've all made sins. We've all, apart from God, we can do no good. Like there is no good people. There is no good people. See, God created us good. He created us in his image, but because of our ability to sin and because of us sinning, our sinful nature has has made us not good. We could say we're good. We could say we're we're good all we want. We could say that our good works um, ha, can make us there, but our good works will never get us to where God ha, wants us to get us. Our good works are never going to be um, sufficient for us to get to God. Our good works are not are are not enough to get closer into perfection with God. And there's never anything that we're gonna do that to, that's gonna make it make us holy or righteous because there's God who's perfect and we're not. There's this separation of, of him and us. There's a separation, we have to understand that that the God of the Old Testament was perfect, the God of the Old Testament, and, and even still this day, he was perfect and righteous. And even even Isaiah describes that your righteousness is like filthy rags. Um, your righteousness is like filthy rags, meaning you, it's, it's literally everything that you can present to God as that, that shows that you're right, that shows that you're just or shows that you're moral. Everything that you can present to God, God is looking at back on you and says, you know what? It's not worth anything. It's filthy. It says for all have sh- fallen short for the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift justified by his grace as a gift, meaning we're made right with God by his grace. It's not because the law, because we can fulfill the works. Every other religion will say, do this, do this, do this, make a checklist of all the things that you're supposed to do, and then then you make right with God. Christianity comes, says, build a relationship, and there's a free gift here, a gift that you can't pay for, you can't do anything, and it should reassure us and we should fall asleep better at night knowing that there's nothing that we could do that will, will separate us from God's love, that God's grace is here. God's here with us and he has redeemed us and the, the gift is free. We don't pay for our Christianity. We we can't we can't pray enough to get our Christianity, or we can't work enough, or do enough good works, or go on mission trips enough, or or give money to someone and, and that earns our grace or our Christianity. It, it, it's not. Because it's already been paid for. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation, and you can highlight that word if it comes up on your Bible. As a propitiation by his blood To be received by faith This was to show God's righteousness Because in his divine forbearance They had passed over former sins It was to show his righteousness at the present time So that he might be just And the justifier of, of the one who has faith in Jesus Now there's a lot of words in there And and I, 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 I like these There's different good words in here and one word, that, that word propitiation, and we'll, we'll get to that word in a second. But I want to read it in, in a different uh, version of the Bible. I use the ESV a lot. I, I like it because it's a very literal translation. Um, but I'll read it in, in, in the New Living Translation um, for today. It says, For everyone to sin, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, meaning we've all fallen short. God's up here, we're down here. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this to Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The, The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead And including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus, that's the question we're asking tonight. Why did Jesus have to die? It's right here. We're sinners. God is holy. And you can say, man, but God could have just Why did he allow a son to die? He could have just let him live and just gave us free life. No, because we have to understand the God that is shown in the Old Testament. It's this God that's holy, that there's a God of perfection. There's a God who's sovereign. There's a God that's all powerful, um, omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's there's a God that we're never going to surmount to be Equal to him, the tower of Babel they tried to get as high as God but God said no you can't get as high as me and time after time in the Old Testament these people because of of, of, of their sin what they would have to do is create sacrifices and and you would see sacrifices of live animals and and you would see these sacrifices and and God would want the the, the best of the best the most perfect sacrifice to come. It, the, the the you wouldn't bring the animal of with the weakest animal just because you were going to sacrifice you would bring the best animal the, the most fatted calf animal that you, you would bring the best without blemish not the one that's walking crippled or bow-legged you, you're, you're getting the one that's the, the best of the best and you bring them before God. And that was the standard that, that God had brought. And like last week, we talked about the law, about how God set this law because people had been in slavery for so many years, um, 400 years of slavery. The people um, had been in Egypt. And when God set them free and he took them out of bondage, he says, I have to create a law because you don't know how to live because you've lived in bondage for so long. And so when God created a law, it was a pattern for years and years and years that they lived up to. But they can never get to that point to be within the law as much as possible because there was something that was missing there was something that was wrong see every single one of us deserve death because. and, and going back to what, what I just said there are no good people as much as you, you want to believe that man if someone ever tells you well I'm a good person I, I, I deserve no we don't <laughs> you don't deserve nothing like I, I'm not going to be this this person or, or ever stand behind this pulpit and say, Well, you know what you can do it all on your own you have you're a champion within you there's a lot of good things within you. no because you know what we're sinners, and apart from the power of God coming in and without Christ dying for our sins, then we can do nothing and let it be let it be a humble reminder to us that 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 we can look at. at at the scriptures and we point back at the scriptures during Easter time and we can walk in humble and reverence before God and say God I deserve I I sinned and because of you you came in and you changed my life around Romans 6 23 Paul continues talking he says for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord focus on the words here Wages of sin. Meaning the, 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 the compensation you deserve, the, 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 the money you're supposed to be getting, the, the, the return on investment for sin is literally death. It's not, it's not life. It's not, it's not a new car. It's not a new house, a new job. It's death. Because we've sinned, we deserve death. We don't deserve anymore because we have a holy God a God that loves us, but he's also holy. And if we didn't have a perfect God, then, then then the sacrifice wouldn't mean as much. So for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of Christ, the gift of God, it's a gift. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You can't put it on a layaway plan. It's a gift. Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And only Christ that there is, there's life. This idea of we'll go back to, to this verse Romans three twenty three through twenty six. He says he, he and we'll go back to the ESV version. It says verse twenty five, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. This word propitiation, if you've never heard this word before, it's fine because you know I learned about it maybe I don't know ten years ago. And these words are important because it, these words are here to really describe what God has done. And this idea of propitiation is, is simple. It's an action meant to regain someone's favor or to make up something you did wrong. Propitiation, you're, you're, you're proposing, you're, you're bringing things into order. And it's an action meant to regain someone's favor or to make up for something you did wrong. You did something wrong, well, one, we all did something wrong, we sinned. So when Jesus is the propitiation, he's the one that has coming up and is basically is the one that is making up for our wrongs and our sins. We're not perfect, but Jesus is. We live a sinful life, Jesus lived a sinless life. We, we crucify Jesus Literally with our sins It's this idea of, of Jesus Becoming sin Or taking upon our sin Martin Luther Described this as I, I, I love this terminology He described it um, Martin Luther if you didn't know he, he was a very important person Lived in the 1500s um, He was very important in, the, in, in Christianity um, Father of the Protestant Reformation um, he, he, he calls this the great exchange. And I like that word, the great exchange, that idea of, of our sins came upon Jesus as he died on the cross. And every sin that we've committed or every sin that we are going to commit in the future, past, present, or future, it came upon him at that moment on the cross. There's this idea that Jesus is here and he comes before us, or he came before, and, and he came as, um, as a substitution. He came as propitiation. He's the one that he took, the, he, he paid the price. He came before us when we could not. Why did Jesus have to die? And the other question is, why would a good God kill his son? because a good God is perfect and he only demands perfection and the only sacrifice that would work is from a sinless person and that was Jesus I want to highlight another word if you've never heard this phrase before penal substitutionary atonement has anybody ever heard this term or phrase before ever in your life okay good I expected that um, this this idea of penal substitutionary atonement, it's a very important word to understand and understanding what it really means and understanding who Jesus really was when he came. He, he was our penal substitutionary atonement. Let's break this down. Penal, or let me read this first. This, this definition is Jesus reconciled sinners to God by being their substitute punishment. He absorbed in his person God's righteous wrath against us. Because of our sin, that we might be free from sin and it's penalty, and liberated to enjoy such a person forever, penal substitution of area atonement let let's break it down the word penal um it, you know don't don't think wrong today, okay <laughs> All right? but penal think of the word penalty, this idea of of a penalty uh, uh, um or or if you you know if you're you know, no fue penal. You know, like <laughs> no a penal. You know, think like that. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a penalty. It's not you know where you you know you're playing soccer penalty kick or uh, uh it, think think of it like that. Some uh, uh, an error. Uh, something you're, you're you're being chastised for doing something wrong. Substitutionary atonement, like those words, substitution meaning like substitute, like a substitute teacher, like a substitute teacher or or someone that takes the place of the other person as well. This idea of atonement is. Is this idea of, of not just, um, uh, it's idea of redemption or expiation, would be another word that, that maybe you're maybe not so familiar with. But it, when you think about this penal substitutionary atonement, you look at it all together, it's this idea that there's a penalty to be paid. Someone has messed up, but someone came in and substituted the person that was supposed to pay the price for the penalty. And he redeemed the idea of redemption. That's a word that, that we use a lot or we see it, Redemption Church, or we hear that word redemption. We don't understand that, but that literally means you're taking the place, you're, you're taking things out or you're, you're, you're restoring things back to where they needs to be. We had a perfect life in the Garden of Eden with God, but we as sinners and through our life, we've, we've messed it up over the years. And with that, and through our mistakes and failures, we, we, God set up a law and said, God, this is, this is me, I'm perfect. I, 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 and God is saying, this is my law, this is for my people. And it took for Jesus to come finally to reconcile people back to him. We don't have to pay a price today. Good Friday is a good Friday. When Good Friday comes... It's not just a good Friday because, hey, we don't have work or we get to rest or sleep in on that day. Good Friday is a good Friday because it was a bad Friday or a bad week for all the rest of us. See, the good news of the gospel is not good news without understanding the bad news first. And the bad news at the very beginning of everything is that we're sinners. We've messed up. There is no good in us. And apart from him. We cannot become, We can't come into agreement or reconciliation with God. We have to understand today that 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 when Jesus come, came, he died for us, and it wasn't just because that's the way the plan was. No, that was the plan that God had from the very beginning, and God showed His His holiness. God showed His perfection and a perfection that we can never surmount to. And let it be, let it be some, a, a reason to rejoice today for us to uh, worship God, for us to give our life back to God. We come into agreement with God because there was a wrath of God that was supposed to come upon us. Can any, does anyone like think about this and you're like, man, this is a weight off my shoulders that there's a God that came and he died for my sins and, and I don't have to live I don't have to work to try to get to closer to God. God's already closer to me. He came to me. He's Emmanuel, God with us. There's a song that uh, that that I've always really enjoyed, and you've probably heard on the radio. It's called "In Christ Alone." I like it because it has a lot of deep theology in it, and I think I think that's some that's one of the things that we need to listen when we listen to worship songs. What does it really mean? Um, what does it mean when I'm singing the song? But one of the verses on this says like this. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, the gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. He was scorned by the ones he came to save. He came to save us and we're the ones that crucified him. Till on that Christ, on, till on that cross that as Jesus died, I like this line the wrath of God was satisfied. The wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live. The wrath of God was satisfied. God, in his holiness, in his perfection, there was a righteous wrath. Uh, Going back to that that definition, God's righteous wrath was Against us, meaning God is right. We're not right. God is just. We're not just. God is perfect. We're imperfect. And when, and when Jesus came and died and he lived a, sin, a sinless life, and when he lived a sinless life, when he came and died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Why did Jesus die? Because we're imperfect. We're the sinners. Because God is holy. There's there's a perfection over here of who God is, and there's an imperfection of who we are. Think of every sin we've ever committed. There's not one sin that God does not know. There's not one thing that that we've done. But you can rest in the fact that even though we have a holy God, there is a mediator. The Bible says that Jesus intercedes for us. He's the one in the middle for us. He literally came before us. And throughout... Scripture we see stories of of sacrifice, we see stories of, of 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 sacrifices of animals without blemish, without failure, without without fault and then here's Jesus that comes as the perfect sacrifice or like we call the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God are, these are terms that we say all the time, but let us never think of them as just something we just say that Jesus is the Lamb of God. No, it literally meant that there was a Lamb that we we would sacrifice as as our church. We would have a priest go and sacrifice for the sins of the community. And it had to be a perfect, spotless Lamb. So when Jesus comes to be the Lamb of God, He's the Lamb and He dies for all. And He lived a sinless life. He walked this earth. You say, why would a good God, that question I asked at the beginning, why would a good God... Why, why would a good God allow his son to be killed? Because God is perfect. And we're not. And the only way God will allow us into heaven is if there was a sacrifice for us all. This upcoming couple weeks, I, I want us to really, really pray to God. I feel like, man, even though this is something that, that, that you might have heard your entire life. That'd be a good refresher for us. We never take the, 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 the gift of God for granted. You don't pay for it. You don't do nothing for it. But someone came and paid the penalty. This atonement. Atonement. That, that, that idea of someone is atoning for your sins. They're, they're taking into account what your sins were. This great exchange, as Martin Luther said. Let us never, ever walk into Easter and think like, man, it's just another holiday or another opportunity. Let let us think of it, man, this is this is where God, this is why God brought us. This is what God brought us out of. None of us are good. None of no man is perfect. And with a God so perfect and a man so, so imperfect, that we needed a Jesus to remind us to be with us and to die for us, to pay the price for our sins. Let's pray. God, I pray. God, I pray, Lord, I just pray that, that for anyone that's here today, God. God, let us, even though, even though some of us have been in church for a long time, even though we've we've might have been part of ministry or we've accepted you, let us never forget what that really means to accept you. That it wasn't just a uh, a moment that where we raised our hand and said yes, and we just walked down an aisle and and that was it. But let us understand and carry also the weight that, man, without you, we're nothing. Without Jesus, we're imperfect. And God, and apart from you, we can do nothing. God, you're so good. God, you're so good to us. we thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.